Happy Thursday, Shakes Pals! Big week this week. So I want to start off by saying thank you to Arden Fitzroy for coming on last week to talk about which Shakespeare villain would be the best in a Bond film. It was a wild ride, and congratulations to Arden for winning with Edmund. They had such a great argument and so much fun. And remember, because both characters came from them, there was no way that they couldn't win. So it really was a great deal, and you all played perfectly. This week, we are celebrating our first birthday. Happy birthday to Protest Too Much podcast. Our very first episode was released a year ago and a couple weeks, but we are taking the next couple weeks to celebrate with all of you. So for this week's episode, we have a few guests from our first year's episodes to come on and talk to you about who they think is the best character in all of Shakespeare. Now, that was the only parameter I gave them. Pretty much they could choose anyone. So best to act, best to dissect, best to love and appreciate and honor. And it was really fun to get to hear the directions that they all took. So we're going to be doing a little bit of a bracket style voting system on Twitter this week. Make sure you are following us at P2M Pod on Twitter. You will get to choose a couple different head-to-head matchups and then we will bracket it to the winner of this week. Next week, make sure you're tuning in again because we have a couple future guests who are coming on to let you know who they think might be the best character in Shakespeare. We'll do another bracket style and then we will have the ultimate winner, the ultimate best Shakespeare character of all time. So thank you to everyone who came on today. Thank you to Ian, Andy, Amanda, Mike, Emily, and Artemis. Y'all are incredible and I'm so excited that I got to hear your little bits. Uh... Thank you all for being here for this past year, whether today is the first episode that you're listening to or you've been with us since the very beginning or anywhere in between. I could not keep doing this without each and every one of you. And I am so, so appreciative for all of the energy and love and uh, yelling that you have gotten to experience with us. So if you are not following us on social media, please make sure you're doing that. If you have not checked out our Patreon at patreon.com slash p2mpod, Please check that out. And as a first birthday present, I would love for you to share this show with a friend. Tell someone you know who loves Shakespeare, hey, there's this podcast and it's about Shakespeare. (laughs) And then you can give them as much or as little information beyond that as you want. But share this show with a friend and help us grow to new Shakespeare nerds across the globe. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for everything. And as always, if you love this show, Please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare showdown podcast where a guest and I go head-to-head each week, and you get to decide who wins. Okay, it's battle time. Coming up, you are going to hear from six amazing folks on who they think is the best character in Shakespeare. I am so appreciative to them for their time and their arguments, and I want you all to go right now to the show notes to check out where you can find them, more of their work, and all of the amazing things that they're doing. First up, we've got the inimitable Ian Desher. This is Ian Desher, author of the William Shakespeare's Star Wars series and the Pop Shakespeare series. 
I gave this question a lot of thought. Who is Shakespeare's best character? I wanted to make an unexpected choice. I wanted to pick a woman, frankly, because male characters get talked about all the time. I wanted to pick someone you never would have picked as Shakespeare's best character. And in the end, I think I failed on all of those counts. Because I'm picking Iago from Shakespeare's tragedy, Othello. Othello was the first Shakespeare play I ever read. In fact, it was 30 years ago this fall. I fell in love with the language, the story, the drama, but most of all, I fell for the villain, Iago. A good villain can make or break a story. Think about some of the best villains we've ever seen. Cruella de Vil, Darth Vader, Sauron, Hannibal Lecter, the Wicked Witch of the West. None of the stories they appear in would be the same without them. And in fact, often we remember them more than the so-called good characters. Iago is so, so bad, and that makes him so, so good. From the first moment he's on stage alone, he tells you exactly how he feels and what his plan is going to be. I hate the moor, and it is thought abroad that twixt my sheets he has done my office. I know not if to be true, but I, for mere suspicion in that kind, will do as if for surety. He holds me well. The better shall my purpose work on him. Cassio's a proper man. Let me see now. To get his place and to plume up my will in double knavery. How? How? Let's see. After some time to abuse Othello's ear that he is too familiar with his wife. He hath a person and a smooth disposed to be suspected, framed to make women false. Moore is of a free and open nature, that thinks men honest that but seem to be so, and will as tenderly be led by the nose as asses are. I have it. It is engendered. Hell and night must bring this monstrous birth to the world's light. Now, Iago's motive changes throughout the play. We never actually get a straight answer about why he does what he does. We just know he wants to ruin everything and everyone around him. Which is actually scarier, right? A villain whose motives you can't explain is so much more terrifying than someone who is, at least, acting for some reason. But Iago will tell you he's doing one thing, and then later, he'll tell you he's doing something else. In the end, I think he's just evil for the sake of being evil. For the sake of hatred, and frankly, that's kind of amazing. Awful, yes, but amazing as a character. Last argument in favor of Iago. He lives. He's just about the only Shakespearean villain, at least in the tragedies, who lives through his play. His final words are chilling. Demand me nothing. What you know, you know. From this time forth, I never will speak word. And he doesn't. He lives while there's death all around him, all caused by him. You almost get the sense he enjoys it. If you're interested, there's a great book by David Snowden called Iago, which picks up the story from where the play ends and goes from there. It turns out Iago has a lot more to do. Anyway, that's my argument. Villains are the best characters. Iago is the best villain. Ipso facto, Iago is Shakespeare's best character. Next up, Emily Gilson. Okay, so... Stephanie, you have asked me the world's hardest question because I don't know if there is actually like one solid best character in Shakespeare. However, 
I think one of the best characters in Shakespeare, so this is the one that I'm going to go with, is Beatrice in Much Ado About Nothing. And I'm not saying this just because she is one of my dream roles and probably my top dream Shakespeare role. She is the best character in Shakespeare because, first of all, we are really starved for, like, strong, modern women in a lot of classical theater. And at least the ones that we do have, I feel like they tend to sort of be playing a stereotype. Um, And the reason that I love Beatrice so much is that she is really modern, but she's also just such a beautiful representation of a f- representation of a fully formed human um you know she's so complex um especially for a woman and especially for a woman in the time that the play was initially written it. So obviously Much Ado is one of those shows that pretty much works anywhere you set it. But I look at Beatrice as an extension of me in that she so beautifully and so genuinely represents the rage that I feel like most, if not all, women have and sort of we don't have an outlet for it we don't know what to do with it or what to use it for and she is always sort of played as this like sort of bitter angry like jealous feminist but she's not she's angry at this like circumstance that she is living in and she sees the men around her being so stupid and weak and and she she can't do anything about it and she has so much to give and so much to say and she is not allowed to and it's it's such a brilliant portrayal of just like a fully formed, rich, complicated woman. And she's so real. I think she's the most realistic woman in any Shakespeare play, probably. Um, and I always pull her I Will Eat His Heart in the Marketplace monologue out for auditions or workshops because I am always finding something new in it. It is so fun to play with. It lets you go really fun places as an actor. Um, And I think um, Beatrice is just, she's brilliant. Much Ado is a brilliant play. Um, And Beatrice just has, she has so much to give. Um, and, And she's not angry. She's, She's the woman. 
Um, she's a woman being portrayed the way that women are. Um, and when she and Benedict finally do get over themselves and get together, it is so beautiful because you really are seeing genuine mutual respect, which I think is very rare in, in like a lot of these romances. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's Beatrice. I love her and someone should cast me as her. Coming at you next, Mike Ellison. Hey, everyone. Mike Ellison here. You may remember me from such protest too much episodes as the very first one and also the WandaVision one. I'm so, so happy to celebrate protest too much's first birthday. When I was asked to do this, I was flattered. Literally every episode that's come out after mine have been way better. So I do feel a little underprepared to pick the best character in Shakespeare, but I think I've got one. I wasn't sure at first how to go with best. You know, there's a lot of different meanings of the word. That which is most excellent, outstanding, or desirable didn't really help me. The most meritorious aspect of a thing or a person also didn't really help me. The peak of condition, the highest standard or level that a person or thing can reach. Okay, now I think I'm starting to get it. So the best character in Shakespeare for me is Juliet's nurse. She's the only person in the whole play that cares even a little bit about Juliet. So it's ridiculous to me that she doesn't get more props uh, from the, you know, the folks around her. She's always funny. She's always lifting her spirit. She's always being kind. She's so clever in a less educated way that I think is, for me, kind of the, like, the nexus of all humor. I don't know. I just really love Juliet's nurse. And I think even just, you know, go girl, seek, seek happy nights to happy days, right? Is just such a good encapsulation of her being like, I don't know, YOLO. Like, encouraging kids to go out and have fun and take chances is so important to me as a, as a person who went out and took chances and lived a life that probably wasn't the safest and like parents probably wouldn't have really appreciated. I think the nurse is doing a great job raising this kid. I just, I like that also when it comes down to it, she's not going to give bad advice. You know, she's like, Hey, you know, Romeo's like not even that hot and you'd be totally fine banging Paris for the rest of your life too. And your parents would be happy. So like, yeah, the nurse is my pick because she straddles that line of go have fun, go get loose, go get dangerous. And then also it's time to be responsible and make the right choice as well while not trying to like stomp all over Juliet's fun. So anyone who does those kinds of things and the way that she does them is going to get my vote. But I just think the nurse is the sweetest, best, most number one-est. Okay, I had recorded the whole first thing that I just sent to Steph. And while I was in the bathroom combing my beard, I realized that I missed a totally crucial part of the nurse's whole role. You know, everybody talks about those old Bulls teams like, oh my God, Michael Jordan was amazing and Dennis Rodman. Uh, 
No one talks about him. Dennis Rodman was the whole reason that Bulls team was so good. Yeah, sure. They had Pippen leading the league in assists and they had Michael Jordan, like being Michael Jordan, right? The greatest of all time. But, you know, there are two teams in a basketball court. The other team is trying to score just as hard. But Rodman was stopping all that. Rodman was getting those rebounds. Rodman was doing those blocks and steals. Man, that Bulls team is nothing without Rodman is all I'm trying to say. And Juliet is nothing without the nurse. You know, Romeo and Juliet, they can do all the high-powered, high-flying offense that they want. You know, Romeo's uh, trying to dunk on people, and Juliet's, you know, she's dishing out the passes, and she's doing her work. But without the nurse to play defense, that story goes nowhere. You're welcome. From the nurse and all of her secret stands out here who really know the real deal. Nurse number one forever. And now, Amanda O'Donnell. Best character in all of Shakespeare? Easy. Paulina from The Winter's Tale. She is a hardcore, super loyal, best friend to Hermione, is not afraid to stand up to the king unlike everybody else in the kingdom, and she is willing to guilt trip that man for years as he deserves. And she is also willing to forgive. And I think that's really awesome. So best character, Paulina, hands down. Up next, Andy Latai. Hello, this is Andy Latai, and I believe the greatest character in Shakespeare is Henry V. There are a lot of reasons, but I think it can best be summed up by just the incredible range of his character and the change he undergoes. And I mean, he has a big advantage here. He's the central character of three different plays, so he has a lot of stage and page time to develop. His art going from layabout rascal prince to noble, hard-hearted king is an amazing character journey. Henry IV, Part One and Two, and Henry V are all the story of Henry's ascendancy. But he's not just a bland, shiny, square-jawed hero, and that's why it's so good. There is a Henry for every situation. If you want a lovable rogue who hangs out in a brothel and makes puns, Henry is that. If you want an angsty, brooding young warrior out to make a name for himself, Henry is that. If you want a commanding, conquering monarch, Henry is that. He inhabits so many different character types throughout his arc that it's hard not to love at least part of him at some point. And really, even if Henry IV, 1 and 2 didn't exist, just Henry V would almost certainly still be enough for me to still argue for Henry as the best character. His speeches in it are some of the most iconic lines in all of Shakespeare. The St. Crispin's Day speech is one of the most famous in all of English literature. And while, of course, he is the hero of the play, something I love is how you can also read him as a villain. Henry is fallible. The moment of the most dramatic change in his whole character when he's crowned king and tells all of his former friends that he just never wants to see them again. It is really brutal and cruel. I mean, Falstaff dies of a broken heart because of it, allegedly. Deciding to plunge his country into war based off some old documents the clergy brought him and a box of tennis balls is impulsive and kind of bloodthirsty. His speech to the people of Harfleur describing the awful things his army will do to them if they don't surrender is pretty chilling stuff. 
and his decision to execute Bardolf, which is a pretty brief exchange, but probably one of my favorites in Shakespeare, is cold and unforgiving. And the... Honestly, I'm not even sure what to call it. The, like, power play game he plays with Michael Williams is uncomfortable. It's very condescending and manipulative. So he does have villainous traits. He has moments where he does not look good. But we want him to succeed because we have been with him for so long. And of course, I'm not saying he's like an evil king. He does a lot of good stuff. He's a very fun character. He's a very likable character. And there are good arguments for why all those questionable things were justified and necessary in a political sense. But, I mean, he is a very cold, calculating, Machiavellian ruler to do those things. By the time of Henry V, he has a very different outlook on law and justice than when we first meet him as a prince who proudly spends his time with thieves and con men. And there might be a degree to this that Shakespeare didn't intend because everything about a monarchy reads as inherently more sinister and selfish to a modern audience than it probably would to people used to living under one. But all the depth and moral conflict is there. It's very deliberate. Henry questions himself. He wonders whether the sacrifices he's making are worth it. Other characters question him. And we also see that he hasn't changed entirely. You know, things do get a little silly when he's wooing Kate at the end of Henry V. Uh, through his thing with Michael Williams, which, again, is, you know, all weird. Uh, but we see that he still has his mischievous streak. It's just that now that he's king, he's sort of resigned himself to the fact that he has to be very discerning about when to let it out. And all in all, there's just so much depth and variety to Henry as a character. He reinvents himself, but he's always still the same character at his core. Every iteration of Henry feels connected to the others. It's a progression that is sometimes jarring, but it still feels natural. He does what a lot of characters in Shakespeare don't really get to do because they don't have time, whether due to their own untimely deaths or just from being confined to a single play or not being the main character. He grows up, and it makes for just a great story and a great character. Finally, we've got Artemis Redican. Hi, I'm Artemis, and I will be arguing that Juliet Capulet is Shakespeare's best character. She's iconic. She's been symbolized for so long as this idolatry of love. She is so star-crossed that she's practically infinite, but you know what? She's not your moaning grown target point to dismiss away as. In the tragedies, for example, where she's from, it all naturally slants towards the men. And by merit of many things, their psychology and their best character status is naturally secured with their tumultuous inner tales ravaged by these intense speeches made famous in infamy their deeds. These are big characters, but they are never diminished to that, even in the holding of one fatal flaw. But amongst these comes a sort of interloper, Juliet, canonically 13. And she is brilliant. <laughs> People tend to reduce her to being one half of a couple that shouldn't be loved. F Romeo and Juliet, I'm in a relationship like blank. Okay, we get it. It's edgy, sure, but Juliet, to me, is the best character in Shakespeare for all these reasons people point to as being otherwise. Against the typical dismissive view often given to young girls in positions of strife in society, who choose different to fake empowering paths, Juliet stands out to me as this incredible character in too many ways. 
The performance and potential and spirit she brings undeniably makes it a candidate as diverse. Look at her. She's given this defining intelligence and passion that always strives onwards, even in the midst of trauma and grief. As an actress that is so much bottled up and ready to launch this picture of a girl, allowed to go from half-obedience to a passion rooted in true love, to a girl forced to grow up because she sacrificed by those she loved, but for realising a voice in their society, and just for existing in it. Her courage comes in frantic poise, and there's so much vivacity and depth as allowed to grow and grieve in her. So, performance-wise, to me, she's his best character in terms of range one can perceive and thrust into her. She goes on this absolute journey, and Shakespeare himself creates this vulnerable portrait of a lost girl who is undeniably connected and extremist both to death and love in her dialogue and fate. He refuses to write for tragedy as being a tragedy of a girl who is foolish and lovesick. He crafts her instead as this girl of many facets who throw forges ahead in love, who is also thoughtful of haste. She's propelled into it by little choice, her death comes from little choice, and so forth. Despite forcing herself against her tragedy and genuine devotion to her family, because this is a play about love in so many more forms than just romantic, and despite creating her own paths, because she's a girl who manages to see past rose-tinted civil balls born in every word, she is not one who is foolish or silly. She is forced into these. And that's the tragedy. She actually is hope and realisation of a better society, but she should not be made a martyred statue of it. That's the thing in Shakespeare, is it not? But Juliet is such a vivid representation of womanhood and their turmoil in Shakespeare, against a sometimes less sympathetic epic in a turmoil of his tragedy men, and she becomes his best character in the way her character, a 13-year-old girl, takes on the burden of a tragedy and women in such an our contrary and permitted time and death to some consigned to lesser, especially within the tragedies. But she is also so much more than a representation of a tragedy, but her perception of the one around her is incredibly important to her as a character. Simply put, she is given death as a woman in many facets that we admire in other characters. There's a wit to be found in her teasing with Romeo, whether in the initial interaction of a balcony scene, there's this intoxication between her and Romeo that is teasing, heartfelt, genuine, overpowering. But because it is forced to this untimely end, and because they're left with little choice as to their own lives and taking them, such is their lives, people suddenly find it cool to dismiss them and believe they aren't people with this intelligent and mutual love. And I acknowledge that this can be uncomfortable from an academic level to discuss due to canonical age, but in terms of performance, which typically views her as older at least, she is given an incredible portrayal of female desire mixed in with a hanging wound of death. She is given this thoughtful contemplation of maturity and something lingering under the surface, whilst also bounding the want and this urge to live in possession of her own body against name and title. Such is her against her entrapment. Such as Juliet is a brilliant portrayal of youth, hasty, eager, overthinking, desirous, without that desire making her choose, despite some perfe- perceptions, being either a mere quick infatuation or true love for Romeo. So all of that, that's my view at least. To me, perhaps because I've always had a bit of a bias and defence towards her, Juliet Capulet is quite simply the best character in Shakespeare. She has my vote anyway. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Thank you again to Ian, Emily, Mike, Amanda, Andy, and Artemis. It was so great to hear from you all. And everyone listening, it's your turn to vote. 
Go to Twitter at P2MPod. You've got a couple poll options up there, a couple head-to-head matches, and then we will narrow it down this week for the best of. And remember to tune in next week to hear some of our future guests postulating on the same question. Thank you, everyone, so much. Happy birthday to everyone. And we'll see you all next week. Serious business.